It's time. Landeskog turned it over to Horvat, right to the slot. Pedersen scores! Is there anything this kid can't do? For Locked On Canucks. Now Pedersen out the right wing side. Saucer pass, left circle. Besser shoots and scores! It was good that Brock Lesnar got a goal. You got a journalism for that! The kids continue to get it done with Justin Morissette. He's a weird dude, yeah. It's good to have weird dudes. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for the morning of Wednesday, July 29th, a Canucks game day. Yes, it has been a very long time since you've heard from me on this show before. Uh, I went away for just as long as Canucks hockey did, honestly. Uh, You know, a a very odd time in all of our lives, I'm sure. And I don't need to to tell you about why that would be. Um, You know, if you missed the show during uh, this COVID hiatus, then I apologize that I was not here to provide daily entertainment. But also, there's no way, there's just no way, folks, that I could have done this every single day or at least five days a week anyways, or even three days a week for the last, oh, 140 days or however long it's been since we last spoke to each other, since there was actual hockey to talk about and feel excited about and report on. Sure, I could have come here every single day and talked about Is Vancouver going to be a hub city? It just might be. Where's the hub city going to be? Is there even going to be a return to play? Who knows? This seems like a wacky pipe dream that probably won't even happen. You know, that's kind of the level of conversation that you could have expected from me, I guess, over the course of the last, mm, let's say, four and a half, close to five months now that it's been since we last spoke. Uh, Look... I would have gotten so tired of those topics uh, instantly. I don't even know that I could milk an entire show out of Will Vancouver Be a Hub City. Uh, Never mind weeks and weeks and weeks of content. And yes, I work in sports talk radio here in Vancouver. So I know that those topics got dragged out and done to death for two months straight. In the case of Will Vancouver Be a Hub City. Uh, I was not interested in talking about that. There is some uh, you know, stuff that happened while I was away that I would have been interested in talking about. Uh, Judd Brackett, for example, the Canucks uh, head scout in their amateur department and probably the top scout that the team has ever had in terms of drafting success and an ability to find players not just late in the first round but in uh, later rounds as well. Look, drafting never been a strength of the Vancouver Canucks. They've honestly... Uh, been screwing that up for 50 years pretty well at this point. You know, like, there's a reason why we love the Sedins so much. And obviously, very gifted, incredible players, wonderful people, uh, absolute consummate ambassadors of both the sport and our city. You know, that's more than enough reason to love them. But part of the reason why we really, really love them is that, like, they're one of the only times the team has not screwed the pooch on a major top, you know, draft pick prior to Judd Brackett coming into the team. So Judd Brackett exiting the organization, that's, uh, it's unfortunate. 
Um, it has no bearing, obviously, on uh, the Minnesota Wild playoff series coming up, or play-in series, I should say, that begins this coming Sunday night. Um, but uh, obviously you know that. I, I feel like the, the people who are like, people need to be reminded that Judd Brackett going to the Minnesota Wild does not actually affect the way things are going to play out. That's not a narrative that anyone is pushing. So I don't know why I even brought it up, other than the fact that it just does feel like the Canucks are probably going to roll over the wild in this play-in series. And, and as a result, Minnesota is going to be gifted the first overall pick because they would have a 12.5% chance at drafting Alexis Lafreniere. So, uh, you know, given Canuck luck over the years, uh, over five decades now of this team just uh, finding increasingly amusing ways almost to break our hearts. Like, you know, you you go from a place where hockey hurts you to a place where uh, the way hockey hurts you just makes you laugh because it becomes increasingly absurd with each passing heartbreak. Um, so, you know, when you bear that in mind, and that is the nature, the essence of Canuck luck, it does sort of feel like a foregone conclusion, this unstoppable inevitability uh, that as soon as Minnesota gets knocked out by the Canucks, assuming that is what happens, uh, that that Minnesota is absolutely going to be the team uh, that wins the draft lottery, the second lottery, and uh, takes over the mystery spot right now at first overall at the top of the draft, whenever the draft happens to be, sometime in October probably. And, uh, you know, I, it is the return of hockey. We do have a game this evening. The Vancouver Canucks will be taking on the Winnipeg Jets, whether it is a home or road game for Vancouver. I have no idea. It doesn't really matter, I don't think. They're playing in Edmonton no matter what. I don't think you get uh, an advantage. I guess there is actually an advantage uh, in just closeness to the benches and, and when you get the, the long change versus the short change uh, as the home team versus the road team. But that's pretty well it. I mean, there's nobody in the building. There's barely even media in the building for these games. Uh, but I am looking forward to this, and not just because it's the first Canucks game that we're going to watch uh, in basically five months, but also uh, because, look, I had some questions myself coming into um, this week and the last couple weeks about what these games are going to look like. Um, and that applies to a number of different things. What the, what, the, what the scrimmage games that they've been playing during these mini camps were going to look like. What the exhibition games in the lead-up to the play-in are going to look like. And what the play-in games themselves will look like as well. Because, look, we know traditionally uh, hockey players need some some runway. They need time to find their legs. They need time to settle into the groove of uh, what you know the schedule is going to be. Find their conditioning, find their their legs and their lungs on some level. I guess there's a reason why hockey plays so many damn exhibition games in the preseason, and it's not because the owners love soaking up that extra money because they know, as far as season ticket holders are concerned, you can't barely even give those tickets away. Nobody wants to attend a mean-nothing preseason game with a roster that maybe features 25% of your actual NHL talent. Uh, the reason they do that is because they, uh, of course, have hard decisions to be made with regards to lineups, and uh, they need time to just get their conditioning and fitness to where it needs to be for the long 
grind of the NHL season. And obviously, we are not playing a full season. That is already behind us. But this playoffs, if you do go on a run, is going to be a long grind. Heck, it's going to be a long grind for me as someone who works the broadcasts. Never mind, you know, is actually suiting up and playing in these games. I am very excited about the return of hockey, but I'm also like just have this foreboding sense of dread that the next three months are going to be professionally some of the most exhausting of my life and career. So, uh, you know, I can only imagine what the guys who are actually in the bubble, who are actually, uh, you know, stuck in a hotel room with nothing to do but practice and hang out with their teammates. It's actually kind of novel, honestly. I do like it. I do like the idea. I think it was Thomas Drantz who uh, made the point earlier this week on Twitter that there's kind of a a road tournament style feel to this uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. It, It kind of is a throwback for the guys and puts them into a junior mindset where, you know, all the teams are in the same hotel and are running into each other as they go for lunch and are you know, trash talking each other on the street as they encounter each other in public. I love that. I love, uh, you know, the situations like that that we are going to see because that's already happening right now. You know, you are getting teams bumping into each other uh, in public spaces and talking trash right now before the play-in rounds have even begun. Imagine, you know, you're in the uh, Western Conference semi and you happen to come across your rival team uh, out in public. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. But beyond that, you know, there, there was a lot of talk about this tournament coming in that this will be the year to put an asterisk next to the Stanley Cup winner because it's not a real season and it's not a real tournament. And, look, I understand um, the, the you know, idea behind that in some ways because, uh, you know, it, it's not a typical season. Obviously, things are very, very different than they usually would be. But in some ways, I would say this is also the 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 first legitimate Stanley Cup playoff tournament. The first time that we are going to see what I believe will actually be the best team win, you know? And I'm not just saying that as someone who is still stewing a little bit perhaps about uh, 2011 where, you know, if you ask me, there's no question who the best team was that season. Uh, they won the President's Trophy uh, to you know, commemorate the fact that they were the best team, which I know feels like kissing your sister when you don't exactly walk away with the cup at the end of those playoffs. But, look, Vancouver was the best team in the league in 2011. We know that. What happened to them? They broke down over the course of a three-month run. They had injuries that they suffered even during the regular season that year that guys never came back from. You know, I often forget... Until someone brought it up to me, in fact, earlier this afternoon, I had completely forgotten that Michael Samuelson was injured for that entire playoff run. If you had given that Canuck team a four-month or even just a one-month, two-month, any sort of layoff whatsoever, two weeks even, if you took a pause before the postseason began and allowed that team some rest, some recuperation time, uh, some healing time to get back in top form as they entered the postseason, I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any question at all as to who would have won the Cup that year. It would be Vancouver. We would have a Stanley Cup, a 2011 Stanley Cup to look back on, I believe, if the exact conditions that we're about to see play out here in Edmonton and Toronto were the conditions at play 
uh, back in the 2011 playoffs because you are going to see a team that is the best team, fingers crossed, win the cup this year. And I don't think we got that, certainly last year. I do not. I mean, I still am skeptical. A year later, more than a year later, I'm still skeptical that the St. Louis Blues who won the Stanley Cup were actually good. Um, <laughs> you know, they were just, in it, certainly in 2011, in the case of the Canucks versus the Boston Bruins, the best team didn't win. The team that was best held together with medical tape and was the least banged up, the least, uh, you know, fallen apart at the seams as far as injuries, that's the team that won that series. That's the team that won the Cup that year. And often that is the team that wins the Cup. Hockey is so much about luck. More so than any other sport. You know, we've seen studies on this, academic studies that have been published at, uh, you know, such prestigious websites as 538. Though, don't even get me started on Nate Silver, my God. Um, (laughs) We've seen studies on the fact that more than any other sport, hockey is determined by luck. The best team is not always the team that wins. In fact, it often is not because it's a game of fluke bounces and. Uh, you know, lucky bounces, puck luck. That's what that's what it all comes down to, you know. And uh, and as a result, you don't often see the best team win. And look, we might, we still might not, we still might not, we still might see a rash of injuries here as guys just aren't properly conditioned uh, heading into this playoffs. Um, as you know, uh, guys suffer you know tweaks and strains and whatnot that uh, they probably wouldn't if they were in. Uh, late season form heading into the postseason the way they typically are. That's entirely possible. And any team that goes on a run and, and plays extremely physical hockey for two and a half months or so is going to get banged up and suffer some injuries over the course of that run. But they're starting out at 100%. They are starting out healed up. And that makes a huge difference, especially for these Canucks. And look, you know that I haven't necessarily been entirely high on this team throughout the season, if you can remember that far back. I know that this NHL season feels like a lifetime ago because just time has lost all meaning in the age of COVID-19 quarantine. Um, But if you do remember back to some of the things that I said on this show during the regular season, which I know is a lifetime ago now, uh, I didn't think that this was the year for them. You know, I, I I was I was kind of optimistic that they might make the playoffs, but I did not believe at all that this team would do any damage if they did make it. It would be like, okay, yeah, congratulations, you snuck in. Uh, you maybe got a little bit of extra revenue from three tops, probably two, playoff home games. <laughs> and those aren't even happening now. Uh, but that was about it. That was kind of my outlook on the team. Uh, at the time, and for most of the season. But as we are sitting on the cusp of the NHL restart and the Canucks being back in action, I gotta say, I'm really excited about this team's chances. And why shouldn't I be? They're fully healthy. Which they never are. Like, this is a team that, just through the sheer uh, wear and tear of their travel schedule, always has major injury problems every single year. So not only are you going into this playoff tournament at 100% in terms of everyone save for, unfortunately, our dear boy Josh Levo, who is still unavailable to the Canucks after all these many months, 
save for Josh Levo, everybody's good to go. Michael Furland might be the most healthy right now that he's been all year. You know, it was a very up and down, difficult year for Michael Furland as far as his health and his brain injuries, basically. This is a guy who has been messed up by concussions, who in this camp to prepare for the return to play after being shut down earlier in the season and looking like his career might be over is looking like a guy who is a lock to start the playoffs or the play-ins. That's going to take some time to get used to saying. On the third line. And that is the line we are expecting to see this evening uh, when the Canucks take on the Winnipeg Jets in their one and only exhibition contest. Now, this is a little bit strange, of course, because uh, with only one exhibition game before the play-ins begin, coaches are being allowed to dress an extra both up front and on the back end. So when the Canucks take on the Jets this evening, they will do so dressing 13 forwards and 7 defensemen. And I'll tell you who's going to be in that lineup in just a second, but right now I want to tell you about auto parts. Yes, we know, folks, that going to a garage, going to uh, have your car looked at can be an exhausting experience. Of course, there are so many makes and models these days that anywhere you go, probably not going to have the specific part that your car requires anyways. And you know how those guys are when you're in there. They don't have the part that you need, but they're going to try and sell you something that you don't. That is not the case, however, for the good folks at rockauto.com. Yes, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, you are always going to find what you need. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much to get the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck? Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so you know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Now, where were we? Right. I was going to tell you about uh, 13 forwards and 7 defensemen. Who's it going to be? Expected lineup heading into tonight's action is that first line of J.T. Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Tyler Toffoli, who were clicking enormously well before the stoppage and honestly look to have not missed a beat. Pettersson, especially in these scrimmage games at Rogers Arena, look, I haven't been there to watch them myself. I have not been one of the few media guys led in the building to watch those games, one of the eight, I think. Very few people uh, in attendance inside as far as media goes. I think J-Pat counted out the entirety of who was in the building, including rink staff, and I think uh, the total number when you tallied up the the whole thing, including, as I said, Canuck staff, rink staff, and media attendance for those 
Rogers Arena scrimmages was, I believe, still lower than 20 people. So not a lot of people actually getting to lay eyes on these things, but I have been working the broadcast anyways and talking to the people who have been in attendance, whether that's uh, Thomas Trance or uh, Brendan Batchelor. Uh, but, you know, by all accounts, anyone you want to talk to, anyone who watched the scrimmages, Pedersen was basically bored by the second one. His conditioning was in such good shape, you know, he did not fall off at all during the stoppage, uh, that he was, you know, just basically doing insane things simply to entertain himself uh, during those scrimmages. And if that's what he's doing in scrimmage, heck, I cannot wait to see what he's going to do in an exhibition game tonight against the Jets because the guy, like, that's part of the reason I'm so excited. Not just because the Canucks are going to be healthy. They have a full, healthy lineup, save for Josh Levo, as I mentioned, for the first time all season long. Heck, we are going to see Tyler Toffoli and Brock Besser in the lineup at the same time, which we only got to see once. And if you ask me, Brock still probably injured and coming back early just to help his team try to get back and stay in that playoff hunt in that one game that they both played in the lineup together, the final game before the stoppage. Um, You know, that's part of the reason that I'm so excited is is that, you know, you eliminate travel. So you eliminate one of the biggest wear and tears on this team during the playoffs and the regular season both, and you're going to put an energized Elias Pettersson on the ice in a playoff position. I know it's play-ins. I know it's a qualifying round. It doesn't entirely count, but it is a series against another team. It is basically part of this extended playoff run, and what do we know about Elias Pettersson and the playoffs? Look, I know the... Swedish Elite League is not the same as the NHL. I know that you cannot draw comparisons between uh, a guy's performance against an entirely different league and what he might do uh, in the playoffs in the best league in the world. But when you look at what he does, the performances that he has given in his life as, as a young child, as our, as our frail son that we all are so enamored with, uh, he, he just pops off. He's crazy. He's a wild man in the playoffs. He was the golden boy in Sweden. You know, won the, won the playoff MVP award, body painted himself entirely gold to match his gold helmet. That is the playoff performer in PD that I am, I don't want to say expecting because look, he's still a young guy. This is just his second year in the NHL. This will be his first taste of postseason action. I can't expect a dominating performance this early in his career. I've, you know, said that about kind of every young kid that comes into this lineup over the last couple years. You cannot expect Elias Pettersson to be Brock Besser. You cannot expect Quinn Hughes to be Elias Pettersson. Uh, you cannot expect Quinn Hughes to whatever expectations you want to have of Quinn Hughes, he's going to uh, exceed them. Um, and that's another exciting thing too. When you talk about guys who used this break productively or coming out of it changed. I mean, Quinn Hughes is still a young guy. And speaking of by all accounts from people who have watched him play, who have been watching uh, the way he has uh, perhaps developed physically, certainly since the last time we saw him, uh, Elliot Friedman put it in uh, 31 Thoughts even today, that, uh, that the number one guy who has benefited the most from the stoppage, who's come back more physically mature, stronger, and able to dominate the puck even more than he did before. The one name 
in that regard that comes up again and again and again, even if we are all so inclined to roll our eyes at the idea that somebody came into camp in the best shape of their lives, blah, blah, blah. We hear it all the time, every single camp, every single year. The number one guy for whom that is actually true, according to Elliot Friedman, is Quinn Hughes. So when you combine the idea, you know, all these ideas, a healthy lineup that has a stacked top six, and I think people are inclined to forget just because of how long it's been since the trade deadline actually was. You know, this team only went out and acquired Tyler Toffoli to give the lineup an injection after the loss of Brock Besser. This was a team that was sliding out of the playoffs, who had come so far and made such great strides and made real tremendous progress, I feel, uh, as a group this year, even if there's still a ton of problems with their defense and their bottom six. You know, this team unquestionably took strides this year. But they were sagging. They were falling out. They were probably going to miss the playoffs. The reason that Tyler Toffoli was acquired was to replace Brock Besser in the lineup. We weren't expecting to see them both together, and if we were, probably not till playoffs, if the playoffs had begun in time, and who knows what the team would have looked like then and how things would have gelled together that late in season, so on, etc. Right now you have a full stacked lineup with one of the best top sixes this team has iced easily since 2011 and probably one of the best top sixes they've ever had because the 2011 team, far and away, the best thing that, uh, you know, this city has ever seen, basically. Uh, But, you know, you look at this top six. Miller, Pedersen, Toffoli is your top line. Pearson, Horvat, Besser is your second line. In this city, four years ago, three years ago, that would be line number one. And you probably wouldn't even have that degree of talent across that line either uh, as the top line. When we look at, you know, Bo, Brock, and Berchi, I love Sven Berchi. You know that. I've gone to bat for him many, many times. And he is well within his rights to opt out of this tournament, has a young child, and should not be risking his health for a franchise that, quite honestly, treated him quite badly this year. Personally, I believe. I fully support his decision to opt out. Uh, but, you know, I, I like the guy. He's no he's no Tanner Pearson. And I, I know that there are people out there who barely even like Tanner Pearson. That's been a subject of great debate on the show over the season as well. But that's a stacked top six. Tanner Pearson gave you fringe first-line production this season. I know I hammered that point all year long, but, hey, it's been five months. You can stand to hear me say it again. That's a stacked top six. And then you get down to the third line, which if this is the third line heading into the qualifying round against Minnesota, the Wild are going to be driven insane by it, and it can score. It has punch offensively. We're talking Antoine Roussel lining up with Adam Gaudet at center and Michael Furland on the opposite wing. That is a dangerous line offensively that can generate off the rush. Roussel, a very underrated playmaker. Gaudet has a pretty solid all-around offensive game. Furland, Pretty fine finisher when he's got his shot going. If he catches fire, that's always been the knock on Michael Furland, right, is that he's very streaky. And we say that about scorers all the time, obviously. But Michael Furland in particular, you know, that was the knock on him. That was everything that you heard from both Carolina fans and media, even Flames fans going back in the day. Yeah, this guy puts up offensive numbers, but it'll all be within a three-week span, basically. You know, 70% of his offense will come on one hot streak. And you'll look at the numbers at the end of the season and be like, wow, this guy can score. But 
in totality, as far as consistency overall, can he? If he gets hot in the playoffs now, if he can even play in the playoffs now, because I, I know there is a genuine concern with Furland that all it takes is one hit, and he's out again. And that is a, you know, a real concern, and I don't want to get too excited about the prospect of him uh, being around for a lengthy run here, if the Canucks even have a lengthy run in the first place. But that line, look, it's tantalizing. And I was very much against the Michael Furlan signing at the beginning of the year. I thought it was completely unnecessary, especially when you're a team that's already uh, in cap trouble to commit to a guy like that at the number they committed for the next three years after this one. I still think that's a silly thing. But if he plays, and he plays well, and he's in a third-line role like that. Look, what was I trying to preach all along at the beginning of the year when I freaked out about the cuts that came down, about you know the end of the Sven Berchi era in Vancouver, the end of the Nikolai Goldobin era in Vancouver? What was I really freaking out about? The fact that we were going into another NHL season with the Canucks operating with Brandon Sutter, and Jay Beagle as their bottom six centers. Two lines that cannot and will never score. Roussel got at Furland is not a line that is not going to score. Uh, that is a line that will put up some points. That is a line that does have offensive sizzle, and they're going to, as I said, drive the opposition crazy as you have two elite pests in Roussel and Furland. The slated fourth line for action this evening against the Jets, Mott, Beagle, and Sutter. Brandon Sutter playing as a fourth-line right wing. Great, great money. Great money. Well spent. $4.25 million. But hey, could be worse. You could have a $6 million 13th forward, as the Canucks currently do, in Louis Erickson, who is expected to be the 13th forward in tonight's action. Edler, Stetcher, your top pairing, Hughes and Tanev, Fantenberg and Myers, and Jalen Chatfield is your seventh defenseman. For the Canucks at the moment. Eighth defenseman in the mix right now for Vancouver, Ollie Levy, who had himself a very impressive camp. As we like to see that, a nice bounce back effort from him. And Markstrom in net, Demko backing up. They probably will both see some time in the action this evening. On the Jets side, they're looking at a projected lineup of Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler up top. Ehlers, Eakin, and Line as their second line. Cop, Lowry, and Roslovich on the third line. Perot, Shore, and Appleton on the fourth. Bork as their 13th forward. Morrissey and DeMello, their top D pair. Kulikov and Pionk, their second pairing. Bolio and Poolman, their third pair. And their seventh defenseman likely to be Luca Spiza. Of course, the real... A wild card with the Jets is Connor Hellebuck, who is likely to win the Vesna this season and uh, could really be the reason why this team that does not look as good as it has in years previous could still kind of go on a surprise run here, perhaps, as they have, you know, them in Montreal kind of have the wild card goalies who could really do anything at any time. And look, I know it's an exhibition game. I know it's not for real. I know it doesn't count. And uh, I know you're still excited probably to watch it just because it's hockey and it's Canucks hockey again for the first time in nearly five months. But I do want to tell you, as someone who both worked the broadcast for and watched the entirety of last night's uh, Flames-Oilers exhibition contest, this game will probably be more physical than you think. These guys know they've only got one shot. They've only got one game, both to prove to the coach that they should be in the lineup 
uh, that he is making the right roster decision and to kind of get their feet going again. They are going to be engaged. It is going to be physical. It is going to look a lot more like real hockey than any exhibition game you've probably ever seen. So there is a lot to be excited about at the moment, not just tonight's game, but what this team can do going forward as well. And we will talk more about that in the days and weeks to come as the show is back. And I am back and happy to be doing it again. Happy to have hockey to talk about and uh, so excited for what this playoffs could hold. A journey we will take together, my friends. Until tomorrow when I tell you all about what happened in tonight's game between the Canucks and Jets. Yes, we have hockey this evening. I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.